Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm walking to camp now to watch a Valencia team managed by Gary Neville against uh, Barcelona and spent time with Gary this afternoon. It's obviously a, a big challenge for him and interesting to hear how he plans to approach the game. I'm with a lad here called Jamie. Um, Jamie played football for a long time for a team called Liverpool. Um, who are based in the northwest of England? You won one or two trophies. Is that ten? Ten what? Trophies. You won ten trophies. I think I did. Yeah. What was the best trophy nice. you won? What do you think? One of the worst nights of your life. Uh, t- <laughs> two thousand and five in Istanbul. <laughs> you won it four times. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Cheers for joining us on United We Stand, Jamie. You, you did an interview last season which went down really well with Manchester United fans I think they respected you as a football fan that the feedback I had was you'd gone to matches as a kid you'd gone away you'd supported your team and then you became a footballer yourself and now you're obviously doing a lot of TV stuff um, do you miss Gary Neville because you struck up a bit of a partnership there on Sky <laughs> yeah I do actually he's uh, contrary to a uh... You know, belief. He's uh, he's actually quite a funny man, and he, uh, I do miss those Mondays. I think not so much the show. Well, I do miss the show, of course I do. But it's more the preparation for the show. And as you probably you know, Gary better than me. He's uh, he's a bit mad, isn't he. I think he's mellowed. Do you think? Yeah. From the angrier 23-year-old to a more yeah. mellow 40-year-old. No, well, he's, uh, he's always got something on the go. You know that he's, he's, he's got, he's he's got 25 driven. jobs, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, he's like that, but, yeah, he's, uh, he makes me laugh, hasn't he? Anyway, so my Mondays aren't as, uh, as funny at Sky without him, I'm sure. What have you seen of Manchester United this season and what do you make of Manchester United this season because it hasn't been a good season there was a good win against Stoke midweek coming off the back of a good win at Derby as well so that's lifted the mood a little bit but you speak to the majority of Manchester United fans there hasn't been enough goals the football's been boring and you watch a lot of football I know you're not watching Manchester United every week like people listening to this but people would respect your opinions well listen you, how you've just described it that's how it's been uh, I mean I, I've I mean Van Gaal has come in and I always think those those managers I, I said when he first come actually uh, and it wasn't meant disrespectfully but when I think of Van Gaal I always think of him as one of those giants in managerial teams in the 90s the way I associate Lippi Capello those type of figures I'm not saying he's behind the times he's obviously he's done big things since that with Holland in the World Cup but that, that's how I always remember him at his peak in sort of those late 90s at Barca uh, mid 90s with, with Ajax and I feel as if maybe not a t- t- move, but you have those younger up and coming managers. I, I don't know. I know Ferguson had great experience as well, but maybe the, the way they're playing is maybe the game now is it seems a lot faster than how Manchester United are playing now. Maybe before it was more possession based in those. I'm, I don't know everything about all those sides, Ajax and Barcelona, but it did seem a perfect fifth for United. But when you actually see it now, it doesn't really. And that's I think the main thing. I associate with your Man United fans as pace and speaking to Gary, risk. So as you ever talks about under Ferguson, those seem the polar opposite of, of what Louis van Gaal's about, so it just doesn't seem a perfect fit. But I've said before, Man United have got to get used to the fact Alex Ferguson's not there no more and every manager who comes in, it's okay saying it's the Man United way to do this, but every manager who comes in now will have his way. It won't be 
copying United or doing this or that. You're in the same game as everyone else now. Liverpool bring Klopp and he does his thing. Benitez did something different. Chelsea have different managers and they all bring their own thing to it. And at the moment, that's, that's obviously a huge problem for United at the moment. It's way below the expectations of Manchester United fans for many reasons. One of them is given the amount of money spent. You know, players like Angel de Maria have come to Old Trafford with really good reputations. It's not worked out, and then they've left Old Trafford and rebuilt the reputation. That's the manager's got to take some some blame for that. Oh, of course he has. Yeah, I mean, you look at someone like de Maria, you think he's absolute perfect fit for Manchester United. He's the type of player you think if Alex Ferguson was still the manager you think he'd be an absolutely one of the best players in the Premier League. I mean, there's, there's talk of Bale coming at some time in the future but you actually think would it be a similar situation to Di Maria and I think if Ferguson again was there you'd think he'd be the absolutely perfect best signing for United Gareth Bale with that pace and, you know, playing down the flanks but the way Van Gaal likes to play it's very structured, very organised and I think sometimes attacking players find that difficult to sort of stick to a rigid, uh, a rigid sort of set up and formation uh, and I think that's what it, it looks like really United at times the attacking uh, side of the game looks like they're playing in straight jackets but from a defensive point of view I think they're one of the best sort of organised sides I see uh, in the league and that, that's fine as a defender you, you want it to be black or white I'm in that position you're there but if for an attack with United it looks too, uh, too conservative and too organised really and that defence has had a lot of injuries you know what has I think Luke Shaw was a massive miss for them I think they've had problems at left back different players playing there and I think Luke Shaw his first season was difficult but I think it's uh, towards the end of that season and the start of this season he was looking like he was he was just going to become England's next left back for the next 10 years and I think he will do when he gets back fit but it was a massive miss that um, Finally you went to Old Trafford as a kid um, you watched Everton at Old Trafford you stood in the scoreboard end with your dad yeah. what was it like going in the 80s as a scouser to Old Trafford? <laughs> well it wasn't just Old Trafford, to be honest. Wherever you, wherever you went in those days, you're, I always remember my dad always trying to keep your mouth shut as you come out. Especially if Everton won. And Everton did win a lot of games away from home. Then very successful team, winning league titles then, mid to late 80s. And to be honest, it was anywhere. There was, there was always a bit of fisticuffs after every game, really. But I always had that instruction, keep your mouth shut on the way out. Don't hear that scout's voice, especially after a defeat for most teams we come up against. But, of course, that happens more than most at, uh, at Old Trafford. So that was the, uh, that was the instruction. And then you played against Manchester United many times. What were your high and low points playing for Liverpool against uh, Manchester United? Low. I see scoring two on goals. Jesus Christ. You can't Just get talk us through that. those two on goals. Oh, very quickly. <laughs> one was a cross to the left. Another one was very unlucky. There was no Jimmy Traore style on goals, put it that way. Uh, and best one, uh, probably the cup final, I think it was 2000. What, the 96 one? Uh, no, I was there. I was there with the, uh, the club, that one. Yeah. Uh, no, two thousand. Banged yeah, it in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Volley. David James mistake. <laughs> the white suit cup final. Embarrassing. Uh, the two thousand. Uh, was it two thousand three, two thousand four? The Carlin Cup game. Yeah. So it was a cup final. It wasn't as big as the FA Cup. Yeah. And all that, but it was uh, still every game United's big. But if there's a trophy at the end of it and you're running around with it and Gary Neville's heads in his hands, that's always a nice moment. And you, you go to Old Trafford. I remember you telling me that the pitch was always big and it was difficult for Liverpool or for any team whereas at Anfield the pitch was much tighter um, however you went to Old Trafford and won 4-1 in 
2009. Can't believe I'm teeing you up with a question yeah. there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, we had a decent record over a few years. I think Gerard Uli had the Kudu sign over. Maybe Alex Ferguson or United for a few years. Danny Murphy got a few winners. And we had that standout one uh, under Rafa, the 4-1 uh, game. But going to Old Trafford, I mean, it was... I mean, United were, you know, better side than us. Uh, for, for probably almost every year of my career. I think the odd time we went to finish second, they finished third a couple of times when Arsenal won the title. But the majority of the time, uh, United were much better than us. So you're playing, playing against a, a side better than you. You need that tighter pitch, make it more of a... Not a level is the wrong word, but a lot easier. And, you know, United spraying that ball about skulls out to the wide players. It was, it was a very difficult place to go. But, as I said, I think we probably got over me... 15 years playing probably won 4 or 5 games there which is probably not too bad a record but uh, oh, we had some big defeats there as well one game I remember because I was asked to go on the cop um, was in 2007 when Liverpool were a better team against Manchester United but John O'Shea got a last minute winner um, yeah, at the cop and that was Steve Finnan's fault that switched <laughs> off with a free kick I think a free kick coming at rebound and he he was stood there and we battered just that day I think Bellamy gave Vidic a terrible time that day I think it might have been one of was that Vidic's first half season he signed in the January was it he, he'd been there a year oh yeah. Harry well, yeah. him and Evera were having uh, yeah. and I always remember we were attacking the cop end uh, first half and Ferguson because I was right centre back and Ferguson screaming at Vidic and Evera just shouting composure composure you know because I mean they, they, were, they were all over the place uh, well they were obviously I think a lot early in the Man United craze but went on to be two uh, you know, greats for United in the end but I, yeah, I vividly remember that from that game and uh, a game he should have won spoke to Nemanja on Friday and he just announced that he'd retired it's something he'd known for a, a couple of months what was he like as a, a defender you played in his position yeah I love Vidic I love, watch, I love watching other great defenders uh, and that type of defender was more associated with myself, if you like, than maybe than Rio was a, a different type. So I love watching Vidic and John Terry, those put the body on the line, head everything. So I, lo- I love watching them play. But to be honest, for no, no matter how much uh, I respected him, I thought he was a great player. He, he, was, he just had a nightmare against Liverpool, really. Uh, whenever we played, and he got sent off two or three times. And I remember one year, he was, he was nailed on for PFA Player of the Year. He was absolutely brilliant. And I think Torres tore him to bits. And I think it, I don't know if he did get Player of the Year that year, but I, I think it may have cost him the actual Player of the Year award because it was such a you know, huge game. Everyone was talking about it. I think, he got, I think it may have been the, the 4 1 game. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, I think that one game probably stopped him getting the PFA Player of the Year because he'd been absolutely brilliant. But he was listening. I think it was it was a player Liverpool tried to sign. I think I thought he was actually going to partner uh, partner me. I think about 2006 and maybe United coming with more money or we're obviously closer to winning the title. So he we went there. Uh, but what Bene- Benitez had identified him. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Spartak Moscow. I think. Uh, he come from and it wasn't a massive fee a great signing for United but uh, no it would have been a, a great signing for us but you know he was he was a colossus for Man United where do you think United will finish this season do you think they'll make that top four no I think they'll just miss out uh, I think they'll finish fifth uh, I just don't see whose place they take I, I, it's not so much that Listen, you can argue what, what Leicester are doing, but uh, I, I think Tottenham are better than them. I think Arsenal are better than them, uh, and there's the one up there, Man City. Thanks for your time, Jamie. We've both got to go different ways now. Um, 
I'm, I, I normally say good luck for the rest of the season when I speak to a player but A you're not playing anymore and B if you were for Liverpool I wouldn't wish you good luck but I do thank you for your time and I like the fact that you, you know what United where your stand is you bought it in, even when you were a player didn't you yeah just the second shite you were talking about. But you know, Anderson, for example, won't even know what a fanzine is. And, and you've bought, you, you know, you understand fan yeah, culture. Yeah, I get it. No, get it. Yeah. Take care, mate. Cheers, lad. I'm with Graham Hunter. And Graham is a very well respected journalist who does a podcast which is very popular. And his recent guests include Darren Fletcher and Michael Carrick. Uh, how did you find both of them, Graham? Well, like, it's not going to be any surprise to you or any of your readers or listeners that um, they're, they're epic. Yeah. Um, not only must we respect them as footballers because of their diligence, their skill, and what they've meant to the winning era of your club, but as fellas, as individuals, if they'd never <laughs> had any footballing talent and they were into opera and ballet, I'd fucking love them just the same because they're absolutely exceptional. And they treated me with uh, great... Um, generosity and um, the two moments that I'd pick out would be um, Darren giving myself and my two colleagues uh, Martin and Neil a lift from his house back to the airport and, and as he let us out of the car and drove off the other two turned to each other and discussed leaving their female, I stress, partners so that they could try and make a move on Darren because they loved him that much that's how soppy they were about him and with Michael, if anybody listened to the the big interview podcast, I was a bit insistent because in a previous interview I talked to him about the penalties in Moscow. If anybody doesn't remember, that's the penalties that sealed Manchester United's European Cup win against Chelsea. Back in the days. Back in them days. I can see why Liverpool fans got so nostalgic <laughs> because I was thinking the other day about what a great player Vidic was and Evra was and you know, just going back and looking at the whole team in Moscow and looking at the quality of the players yeah, on, on the bench right, it? it was alright so, what, happened, so what, happened, what the hell happened between 2008 and 2009 when they weren't competitive that's yeah. a question that might be asked and so I insisted that I wanted to go back to the penalty shootout having already touched on it once before with them and the process of being able to spend time talking about it and the process of an intelligent man going back and losing himself in the minute and start to get a bit oh fucking hell how, how did I score and how did I get through that and, and the sort of goosebumps on the back of his neck and he stopped in the middle of it and said listen I'm there right now that, if you do the job you and I do that's a right pleasure when that happens you speak to a lot of people in football what's the word on Manchester United this season it's been highly unconvincing so far there's been moments no doubt but if the season finished now Manchester United uh, well, Manchester United fans will be pretty underwhelmed at what they've seen I think if you're asking me if, when I speak to football people about them I think those in the football industry in, in Britain who didn't know um, what Louis van Gaal w- was like I think there's been surprise because I think that the general expectation was that having consolidated last year and having signed that the team would kick on in style and substance um, I think some of the people that I speak to know what's going on like like you very much do at the training ground and, and, and I've been surprised that why a guy who's so in Scottish we would say thrown so stubborn so unwilling to move and so combative in public has occasionally looked like a beaten broken man in private uh, the, the one other category of people within the football industry and here I'm not talking about journalists you, 
I think you were talking about football coaches, managers, um, players, agents, whatever. I think there's been a, a degree of um, those who are not Manchester United fans possibly see more benefits in terms of the solidity, the defending, the fact that hold on, let's count them. Could you get the points gap between Manchester United and Arsenal on one hand at the moment? You could. Now you're second. Your listeners are second. And I bet the majority of them, however loyally, I would probably say, oh, if Van Hal offered his resignation right now, we take it. I think outside, people are saying, well, from next season, with the players that are young and bedded in and with this, the way they defend in close space and are hard to beat, add goals, add a bit more risk, creative risk, and maybe United are a proposition again. I know that's not necessarily what you think. Um, Manchester City, the, the team who won the, the League Cup in 1976 in, in England. See, that's just, see, that's, that's just downright <laughs> fucking low. That's what that is. They're about to a point. Unnecessary. They're about to a point. Was it Dennis Stewart? Yeah. Was it an overhead kick? How am I supposed to know stuff like that? No, yeah, it was. Trap. I think it's it a little was. trap that you didn't fall into. They, they, they're going to appoint a manager called Pep Guardiola next season. And news of that was greeted by Manchester United fans with a little bit of, of disbelief. They'd heard it. They expected it. They didn't like to hear it. They would have preferred to see Guardiola appointed Manchester United boss, I think. Um, he's going to arrive there. He's a proven winner. He's probably the best coach in the world. He's going to have a bag of money. How do we stop him doing it? Do we need to send the firm round to his house? I think not getting... Um, I think if you're talking about the club, because neither the... When you say we, I just like to state for Pep's lawyers that Andy didn't mean him and me. <laughs> nor do you mean your, your loyal listeners or readers, nor the journalists. I think if we're allowed an opinion on the way in which your club is run, then they're not getting tangled in knots. Now that they've failed to attract him, not getting tangled in knots about what he's doing. It will be the absolute single worst mistake in the world to start looking over the garden fence, to start looking over their shoulders all the time. I remember a, a, a motor car advert which um, Ferg, Alec Ferguson recorded with, who was your very good broadcaster, Smith was his name, um, ITV a lot, and it was, it was taken off the web, and, and I think it was Audi actually, came out of the Carrington training ground, and he looked, he, 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 the two of them stepped out the door and he went, that's that's the, that's the Manchester City training ground just over there. That's where the smell's coming from. Now, I suspect if if, if United jocularly can adopt a position like that about what's going on at Manchester City and focus on their own weaknesses, focus on whether they've got the right man, a, a talented man though he is, Edward, whether he's the right man to develop the club in football terms, whether the owners have got enough of a grip on what's requested by the sponsors and the kit manufacturers and the fans, season ticket holders. Whether, whether are Manchester United sharp enough at the moment? Are, is there attention, is there forward planning aimed at the right things and are they sharp enough at the moment? And if they get that right, then why don't, in answer to your question, why don't they just go toe-to-toe with Pep Guardiola's Manchester City? The big deal will be not to be distracted by what's going on across the city. Thank you for your time, Graham. Finally, where will Manchester United finish in the league this year? Somewhere in Salford. Near to Salford? Yeah. The border's 200, 150 metres away from... Then that's the single best line I've ever given in an unscripted question. Good night. That's it for this podcast. We'll be back with the next one from Chelsea away. We didn't bring you on from Stoke because Steve was set to do it, but... Unfortunately, his much-loved dog, Mosty, passed away. 
so Steve had other priorities. Um, we should also mention uh, Coco, very well-known Manchester United fan who passed away recently. His funeral was held at Manchester Cathedral on Friday afternoon, Friday the 5th of February. Um, he was well-known to a lot of people at the match, an awful lot of people at the match. Um, it was always good with United We Stand people, so rest in peace. Gary and the 6th of February which is Saturday is obviously the anniversary of the Munich air disaster uh, I know of a group of United fans who've gone they go most years uh, led by Tony Crook from Ermston go to Munich to pay their respects and there are other United fans who go every year as well there's a Bulgarian taxi driver who always who looks like Dimitar Berbatov and always goes to Munich and there are other United fans from around the world going. I know Lars Morten Olsen is going from Norway this year to pay his respects. So uh, we're finishing the, this podcast on uh, quite a low note. Um, don't apologise for that. Coco was very much part of the Manchester United community. And I, I know United fans die every day around the world. And we can't really mention all of them. The people who've been involved in the mag and have known Coco as long as United We Stand has been around, then we think they're well worth mentioning. Until the next podcast, goodbye.